Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show hey all you car fiends and gearheads welcome to driven radio welcome back to driven radio yeah we've been taking hiatuses here and there as you know travel and vacations and family and anniversaries <laughs> and cool stuff pops up so every now and then uh, you know it's not a hiccup it's it's semi sort of planned a little to a little, a little, a little, little to uh, Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Hello. And sitting in for the evil genius of Craving Cars on YouTube, Mr. Corey Pratt, who Corey. is absent and trapped in Arkansas, as I understand it. <laughs> Uh, we have my longtime friend and fellow gearhead, Mr. Jeff DeWitt. Yay! How's it going, guys? Hey! We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios at Driven Media World Headquarters, also known as my dining room. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> dining room, though. Hey. Cold no, signage. Nobody ever uses a dry dining room. You no, may as well man. set up a studio and do something worthwhile. <laughs> it's a studio. It. Come on. Absolutely. They don't have dining rooms anymore. And no, we never ate in here. We never right. ate in here. It was just a collection of furniture we didn't use, so I moved that out and we made a studio. And that works much it better. It works nicely. Us. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to tell your gearhead friends if there is something you would like to hear more of, or much more importantly, somebody you would like us to talk to that we haven't yet, drop me a line. Send your emails to brett at drivenradioshow.com. All righty. Corey isn't here to speak for himself. You had a great trip out of town last weekend, but what have you been doing with your... Uh, your fantabulous motorcycle that you rode up this evening just riding around uh enjoying the weather we've had a few days of really nice weather here i mean we we finally left. got a break from finally. that, that well, heat oh it was Triple hot digits. as hell and where do where does my wife and i go for our 27th anniversary we take a trip to see great friends and relatives south. in texas south yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was it was Pretty so hot. much cooler there. There was it was just a. I almost had to wear a jacket. Uh -huh, yeah, sure. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry heat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a dry. Oh, so it's a cutting torch. <laughs> it was uh, it was so damned hot, but uh, it was great to see friends and uh, head over to Galveston. Uh, I've never been there, and I lived in the Dallas area for ten years, and uh, had never also been to Austin. Well, Texas is a damn big state. There's a, there's a lot huge. of different uh, time zones and climates and whatever. Well, remember it's that bit of trivia we've stuff. talked about a couple of times. El Paso is closer to L.A. than it is to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put yeah. that in perspective? Yeah, it's a big state. It is. It's, it's a, a big small sucker. country with a great accent <laughs> and, and decent barbecue. Although they got to work on their sauce. So, so we how had was some Galveston? barbecue there. Kansas City's got the sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was wrong. Uh, Galveston is. It's interesting in that it's not a city. <sighs> It has pretty points, but as a full-on, we were on Galveston Island, mm -hmm. and it's just 
it's tired and it's okay. kind of old. But it, you know, the Airbnb that was a block and a half from the beach was really cost effective. Yeah, that's that's heartbreaking. I feel yeah, awful. Yeah, I, it, I yeah. just we went walking out, and it's a super family friendly beach. So a dude of my shape, uh, I didn't hey, feel hey, hey, I hey, didn't hey. feel at all. Out of place. I resemble that remark. You know, if we'd gone over to California and there were all these beach bods out there, I'd have been like, F that. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing my T-shirt all the way down to my toes. Yeah, you, but, uh, you this stay was just, in your car. This was <laughs> families. And the beach was fun. The water w- was a little surprising to people. It said, oh, you're going to go you know, swim in the dirt. And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> no, what you're talking not about. Dirt. It's, a gold, it's not. It's not. It's uh, Welcome to Lake of the Ozark South. Right. That's what it is. Exactly. It's a little chocolate milky. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, water was perfect temperature. Even swims were beautiful so it was it was awesome so and i went with my wife of 27 years which was also cool congratulations happy happy anniversary congratulations to you and your wondrous bride and uh 27 years man that's that's a long haul and we lived for lived in sin for three years before that so really we broke water on 30 there you go (laughs) (laughs) look at us go There how, you about, go. how about you? You've got uh, you know two Corvettes and two uh, Harleys out there in the garage right now. So managed to get the Corvette back from the shop. Did a little bit of work to it. There's still more to go. Uh, one of those spinners just doesn't want to come off. When you put those on, you're supposed to coat the threads with anti-seize. Mm. And I'm guessing mm, it didn't. It wasn't done <laughs> with anti-mame. Yeah. <laughs> so I ordered a really expensive tool from Germany. That will take those spinners off. It's yet nice. to show up. Uh, we have ways of making your spinners come off. <laughs> now, are you going to have to hook that up to something like an air, like an air hammer drill, or yeah, like a six foot long pole? Oh, and just go at it ape, ape style. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, and nice. I'm, I'm the ape that can do it. Damn straight. Uh, started detailing the Corvette and going through it and making it look the way I want it to look, and it's come a long way. It's going to look fantastic. Also well, replaced yeah. the driver's side mirror, so now it won't just you know stare at the door. I can see over the <laughs> rear fender now. That's pretty That's cool. That's a plus. <laughs> uh, and I wrote a four-part series about yeah. the trip home that showed up on GM Authority got a lot of good feedback on that now i'm trying to convince the guys at gm authority to allow me to do more stupid road trips so i can write about them that is that gm authority that's a great idea i'm not if you guys haven't thought of that already with this dude you need to i'm not out of old cars which to to drive (laughs) yeah you need to do video on that though yeah, the audio just isn't going to cut it brett you need to show everybody what you're dealing with i'm thinking vlad has a very big trunk and I could load lots of luggage in it, and it's got a great big gas tank that you know might get me to Topeka before I have to refill it. Uh, it's that car deserves a road trip. I've done a couple road trips in the little red Corvette, and that thing is just bulletproof. Uh, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to do that more. I liked writing those articles. Got a lot of good feedback from a lot of people, and a, a lot of people on the forums said. Hey, I took a Corvette trip to the moon when I was in high school and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> it's your one-way ticket to midnight. Uh, I I love that trip, and as wound up as I was about it because I didn't know the car, I really want to go do another one soon. Nice. Soon. Nice. I want to make sure I don't have to drive 2,500 miles to get no. where I'm going. No. And uh, I'll probably <laughs> take some sort of adult beverage with me for relief at the end of the day because 
<laughs> I was I was a little rattled. I <laughs> I'm just, just saying. But aside from that, uh, we've been driving the Corvette a lot, short trips, uh, taking it, you know, going to get ice cream, stuff like that. Yeah. And the car's a blast. Nice. It looks beautiful. I mean, the first you. time I saw it, I, I thought, shoot, this is showroom quality. It's a, it, it's beautiful. It's not perfect, but it's very it's really clean and it's a lot of fun to drive. That's one of the big things about it, man. You you know you can make it museum quality and all original, and then you don't want to drive it, yeah, because right. that will ruin what all that effort you put in. But if you have something that's both beautiful and drivable and isn't trying to kill your ass while you're driving it, yeah, that's a golden thing. Well, if you power steering, you remember the '63 Corvette that we took down <laughs> to the Old Murray River run? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the thing with that car was it was it was pretty good, and that was great. Because yeah. then you didn't worry about it when you took it someplace. The 61 is exceptional, but you always park it where you can see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turn on your little force field around it. No security <laughs> system, right? Yeah, yeah. well, the, the security system is the your car. Your eyeballs. Well, yeah. The car is a giant neon sign over yeah. your head that says, hey, dig me. <laughs> Nobody can do anything around it without Touch being it. seen. Touch it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> So, uh, ready to take more road trips. I want to do that stuff. And that trip has gone a long way toward convincing me I need to be driving all my old stuff full time. Amen. So That's what they're built for. This week in the news, you can own a Porsche 917K race car used in Steve McQueen's movie Le Mans. Audi will stop being interesting in 2026. Haggerty just (laughs) bought a major Concours. Yeah, and the Supra from the Fast and the Furious just sold for incredible mm. jack. Mm. Can't but it went for lots more than a, a pretty nice house in this part of the country. Later on, we <laughs> will amazing. be speaking with Chris Bright, co-founder of Collector Part Exchange, the first online marketplace designed exclusively for collector vehicle parts. Chris will be here to discuss his love of cars, how CPX came to be, and why he knows where to aim a nuclear missile. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> <That's... laughs> the triumvirate of wonders. Yeah, I, I was wondering. It, it's it's a really odd thing to be qualified to do, but he happens to know it. We're going to talk to him about it. Let's go ahead and take a look at the news this week. From Motor Authority, the 1970 Porsche 917K used in Steve McQueen's Le Mans is headed to auction. It is a beautiful little piece of machinery, uh-huh. and it's going to cross the block at RM Sotheby's 2021 Monterey Auction in August, so not, not long from now. Uh, I might be there, or possibly our friend Mr. Ped Watt. Oh, God. As I'm using my driven media credential to try and ask to get into everything under the sun. I, I would almost pay to hear Ped leaning against that car going, make love to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, push it, give it to me. You know you want to give me love to the camera. Oh, that's great. You know, if he's there he's going to tremble and I oh, just yeah. want, i'll show up just to see it i'll take pictures of him to tease him later yeah <laughs> just that look on his face uh-huh. <laughs> uh the car uh, chassis 026 was featured heavily in mcqueen's 71 film le mans the film attempted to capture the essence of the 24 hours of le mans in a movie but it proved to be a production disaster it was and a critical and box office failure it was that too ouchie <laughs> boring hand luke uh, Le Mans has since become a favorite of race fans, though, thanks to footage of actual period race cars driving on Le Mans Circuit uh, de la Sarthe. Some footage was shot during an actual race, but much of it was recreated after the fact. 
Now, chassis 026 also has a solid racing history. It was one of three cars entered by JW Automotive at the 1974 Hours of Le Mans, driven by Mike Hillwood and David Hobbs. Yes. It had a unique version of the Golf racing livery with an orange roof and blue lower bodywork. I really, I think that's the picture on the website. It looks just freaking cool. Yes. Uh, Hailwood hydroplaned and crashed on the 50th lap, taking the car out of the race. Now, of course, they rebuilt the sucker. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, sure they did. Yeah, and it went on to race more after that. Uh, it had quite the pedigree. I cut some of it out of it in order to, you know, in the interest of brevity. But that's an incredible car. It was one of Porsche's most successful race cars. It dominated European sports car racing and the North American Can-Am series. And this isn't the only Steve McQueen Le Mans 917K. Another car, chassis 024, sold for $14 million million. dollars at auction in 2017. Before everything went nuts. Yeah, that was before all hell broke loose. You know, about the time I was trying to get my nut up for Uh a classic car. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. sons of bitches. We're still going to get you there. We're still going to get you there. Uh, It could happen. I was speaking to somebody uh, just this past weekend about your interest in uh, Chrysler products that have a hood or trunk <laughs> you might be able to land an F-14 Tomcat on. Uh, so we have feelers out. We have people looking for you. Oh, that's you. exciting. There are people who have your interests in mind even <laughs> as we speak. Do, uh, do those hoods come with or without rust? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. That's, that's, yeah. I was just asking. It depends upon how you're right. looking at it well, or who dep- you ask. It depends which preacher you're talking to <laughs> which about preacher? it. <laughs> which, which preacher's lying to you All about right. it. Yeah, it's I, happened more than once. I think you're on number three. <laughs> I know, right? Three yeah. times a charm. Yeah. Well, when you call him, uh, forgive you, Father, what have you done <laughs> to sin? John 3, 16-inch. <laughs> yeah. It's got craggers. Jeez. I'm in. Yeah. I'll, I'll drive 800 miles to look at it. Oh, well, Bastards. I see you with a Polaro with 10-inch craggers on you the back. You damn right you do. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Well, Audi confirms it's going to stop developing new internal combustion uh, engines in 2026. This comes to us from Road and Track. And the, the statement is a little misleading, but they said they're going to quit developing new internal combustion engines in 2026. For a few years after that, they're going to keep building them. But the automaker aims to focus on electric powertrains as Euro 7 emissions regulations make internal combustion engine-powered machines more difficult to produce. And many cities and nations are considering banning internal combustion engine vehicles. God, does that that even sound real? It doesn't. You know, there's there's a part of me that uh, I'm old enough to remember the shots of Los Angeles back with in the, the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, you're you're just breathing meatloaf. Yeah. And then yeah. you know they you got some pissy environmentalists who got involved and suddenly, oh my God, you can actually sometimes kind of breathe. Yeah, but I can so, go back and cite the article and I think it was around January where the uh, United Nations said the that the US has curbed their uh, their carbon emissions so much that they didn't even need to be part of the Paris climate accords we don't we're, we're less than 10 percent so of the emissions right? it's it's gonna be china and india that we really need to convince and yeah, good luck south america yeah, yeah, well, good luck for that yeah, yeah. well i think all i think the chinese government <laughs> wakes comply, up in the Brent. morning gives a big finger to the west <laughs> oh, no, and no, then no. they go they're gonna they comply doing. to us oh you know, you know yeah, they will yeah uh, oh, oh yeah 
Anyway, according to CEO Marcus Doisman, Doisman, D-U-E-S-M-A-N-N. I'm going to go with Doisman. Doisman. Uh, Audi will no longer develop new gasoline or diesel engines after 2026. However, 2026 won't immediately mark the extinction of Audi's uh, internal combustion engines. Uh, cars and SUVs with traditional powertrains are slated to be sold into the early 2030s. Audi intends to go fully electric after the 2032 model year. So we got a little time. Yeah. We got a little time. And it's Audi. Now, of all of the brands amongst the Volkswagen group, uh, you know, Porsche, Lamborghini, Audi, Bugatti. Well, man, Bugatti... Uh, this is a whole other conversation. They may be partially owned by uh, Remats, the electric car maker, by now. But there are several other brands among them. They haven't said that all of them will be strictly electric by 2032. We've got 11 years, and I think that there's going to have to be a lot of different technology advancements made before they're able to go completely totally. electric. Totally. And uh, as a lover of the internal combustion, combustion engine, engine. Yeah. I, I keep hedging my best. No, it won't happen. No, 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 no. And then I go outside in the garage and I start up something that's got a big four barrel carbon side pipes on it. Yeah. <laughs> there you are, leaning against the bumper. Don't worry, baby. I got you. Nothing's we'll, going to happen. We'll go down in flames together, honey. We'll buy all the gas. <laughs> so, so, do, you, do, do you find it funny that? Maybe VW picked Audi as their guinea pig for this. Why, why wouldn't they just pick the VW vehicles? I don't or, know. Or one, one I, out I, of the lineup, right? I, I don't know, and I haven't looked at all of them yet. It may be Audi and VW, but I think among their brand, some of the Porsches and the and Lamborghini will be the right. last ones to completely give it up. Because yeah. Lamborghini fans, man, you just can't beat that, VTEL, that V12 Shriek. No. You can't get around that. There's there's so much an oral uh, AU. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. I wasn't saying nothing. Yeah, but I was looking at you, and you wanted to say something. <laughs> My eyes went ba-ding. Yeah, there's so much of an aural uh, component to it that I, I think they'll be the last to go. And that's yeah. that's part of. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine this week, uh, the guy who helps run our website, and we were talking about which cars would be okay to convert to electric and which cars would not and the cars that seem more soulful are the ones that i'm arguing against you got an old caprice class yeah just turn the thing electric who cares go ahead Mm -hmm. uh old corvettes old porsches whatever just drove by i I love that (laughs) Uh, stuff like that. There's going to be certain things that I really want to hold out for. Of course, the upside, the other upside is, is by the time they get around to it, hey, I'm going to be close to retire. I know. We won't even be able to remember the yeah. damn cars. <laughs> When's Matt Locke come on? <laughs> hey, Dad, you finally got that Plymouth when you were 68. You still, you mind if I make it electric? Huh? I, I promise you we'll get there before you're 60. <laughs> At least they chose Audi over, you know, Bugatti. I'm not even sure Bugatti will be part of their their group before long, but that's, again, another conversation. <laughs> totally, yes. Our, on happier news, uh, from ClassicMotorsports.com, the Amelia Island Concours has been acquired 
by our friends at Haggerty. Oh, my. Nice. Yeah. Haggerty has added the Amelia Island Concours to its portfolio, joining the Concours d'Elegance of America and the California Amelia and the Greenwich Concours d'Elegance. Jesus. Our objective is to knit the enthusiast community together in a way that supports and protects the future of car culture, said McKeel Haggerty, the CEO of Haggerty. And God bless you, McKeel. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Amelia Island is synonymous with the Concours and motorsports heritage due to the steadfast efforts of Bill Warner. Again, God bless Bill Warner. And his team, we are incredibly proud to have the opportunity to build upon and scale Bill's vision. Warner founded the North Florida Concours in 1996 and will remain involved as Chairman Emeritus. Haggerty will work with the Concours existing operational team to expand the annual event the release notes thank god wow. the 2022 amelia island concord elegance will take place in march march 3rd through the 6th next year i have been there oh. <laughs> i've seen i've seen it's, pictures and it's just it's such delightful porn it is it is it is absolutely <laughs> it is absolute That's exact, you couldn't have put it better <laughs> it is absolute car porn to a gearhead anyway. but not and, better. Right? thank you mckeel for making hey, this man. move uh hats off to you i we really appreciate it and you want to talk about a group of individuals who has done the very most to try and preserve our car our car culture it's everybody at haggerty yeah I'm so happy that we uh, we can count some of those people as our friends. That's fantastic. From Road and Track, the super that starred in the first two Fast and Furious movies has sold for $550,000. Jesus. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that in your garage. What, what's going on? A couple of weeks back, we it's talked about the Supra. It, it's insane. The Fast and the Furious, it sold to Barrett-Jackson Auction in Las Vegas last week for $550K. According to Barrett Jackson's listing, this super, an original twin turbo model, was driven by Paul Walker on screen during 2001's The Fast and the Furious. It was then modified for 2003's Too Fast, Too Furious. And then the car was restored to its prior state, getting back to its Lamborghini Diablo-sourced paint, nuclear gladiator livery, Oh. And a pile of other mods, yeah. and that is a, a retina searing color on that car. Uh, it's fantastic, that big stupid wing. I love it. Uh, car looked to be in wonderful condition under the hood, so it's an unmodified factory twin turbo 2JZ GTE and the stock four speed automatic transmission. Yeah. Stock four speed. That's the thing I can't quite get my head around. That thing's got an either. automatic transmission. <laughs> it sold for five and a half. Jeez. <laughs> Unbelievable. But. If you think about it, uh, icons who are no longer with us in the in the in the car world in the collector car community, Paul Walker swung a mighty big stick, courtesy of those movies, and yeah. got quite a following. If people will shell out millions for McQueen's bullet Mustang, I'm not surprised that this thing brought 550. I wouldn't have bought it. But <laughs> I'll take the Mustang. You know what? Yeah, I'll take the Mustang too. Yeah, I'll try to try to fill in for uh, Corey. Oh yeah, man, it's a great car. No, no, yeah, no. that's a fast car. No, it's a I good get car. it. I'm not it, denying it is, that either. It, it, <laughs> is, it is a great car. It is a fast car. It's got graphics on the side that I can't begin to figure out. But uh, <laughs> it, hey, man, I'm I'm glad that somebody owns it. I hope that a big enthusiast bought it. You know, shelling out that kind of money, you would think they would have to. That is north of a half a million dollars for that car. 
Good grief. But uh, cool. I'm glad that somebody got it, and I hope that it, it doesn't get tucked away. I hope it makes public appearances and shows up at Cars and Coffee and stuff like that. You know, I never, never really stare, stared real clearly at those graphics. It does kind of, kind of look like a 1940s hood ornament uh, mutant yeah, that I goes s- back into Mountain Dew stretch marks. Well, we talked about this thing a few weeks back. <laughs> it really does. That's awesome. We talked about this in Mountain Dew, Nectar of the Tards. Love it. We talked about this thing a few weeks back, and I spent a good 10 minutes staring at it trying to figure out what the hell, and I, I got nothing. I, I got nothing. I'm just out. But it's it's fun, and it's got the big uh, fin on the back. Car looked to be in wonderful condition, on the, and we've got the factory twin turbo. Uh, and, you know, the Supra was featured on numerous YouTube oh, videos the past Tyler couple of weeks. Tyler Hoover reviewed see that it. thing. Uh, it, a lot of our, our friends reviewed that thing. It's It got lots of press. And well, sure. Cool. Good on them. Our special guest this week is Chris Bright, co-founder of Collector Part Exchange, the first online marketplace designed exclusively for collector vehicle parts. Pretty nice. cool stuff. Nice. Chris will be here to discuss his love of cars, how CPX came to be, and why he knows where to aim a nuclear missile. <laughs> <laughs> this and much more is coming up next here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Media World Headquarters. <laughs> world Headquarters. I like that. Yeah. The World Headquarters. World Headquarters here in my dining room. In a world. And <laughs> the big One OP. Man. One microphone. Oh, man. I miss him. Yeah, yeah. Don't you? Don LaFontaine. Miss old Don. Coming to you from Driven Media World Headquarters in Overland Park, Kansas. Our guest this week is Chris Bright, co-founder of Collector Part Exchange, the first online marketplace designed exclusively for collector vehicle parts. Every car collector or every car guy should know about Collector Part Exchange. The site aims to gather sellers of hard-to-find collector parts in one convenient online shopping marketplace, thus helping cut time and expense in restoration. Chris has a master's degree in international affairs. He's overqualified to be on this damn show. Did you bring him on? He's going to make us stupid. No business wrong with this damn show. Oh, God, my mic was on. Chris has a master's degree. We'll leave it at that. And a background in high-tech startups. Again, overqualified to be on this show. Chris, welcome to Driven Radio. How you doing? Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So where is, what part of the world do you call home? Yeah, I am sitting in the great Pacific Northwest uh, in Portland, Oregon. I live right in downtown Portland. Uh, we were in the news a little bit recently, so uh, all of that business was happening only blocks away from my, my condo. You guys had the ice cream truck fire? That was you? <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing we heard about was yeah. craft beer, man. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> and the fresh seafood. Yes. Oh, good. The, the seafood market. Awesome oh. stuff. Try that. Uh, how old were you when you figured out that you were a car guy? When did you first know? God, um, I think from birth. I don't know. It, my earliest memories are all about cars. Came out uh, of the womb with a Hot Wheels in his fist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, Hot Wheels cars. I've uh, and I, I always wanted to drive, 
Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't raised in a house of gearheads. My dad didn't have a shop. I never turned a wrench or changed the oil or did any of that stuff, but I could not wait to drive a car. And my whole youth was like trying to simulate that, whether on bikes or on big wheels or oh, yeah. whatever, else. I can, uh, bumper cars at the amusement park, oh, yeah. whatever you could put me in, I wanted to drive it. Why didn't bumper cars have ramps? We could have jumped them. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I worked at one. I used to have to clean them in the morning, and yeah, uh, there were some, there were some test drives that didn't end well. Yeah, well, bloody noses and puke, you know, not a pretty cleanup. Uh, no, no, oh. good time though. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. McCall, by the yeah. way, for having faith in a pure idiot. <laughs> so, if you didn't if you didn't grow up in a house where it was uh, where full of audio and uh, auto enthusiasts, yeah. uh, what's your background? What drove it? Yeah, well, it, I I just got into uh, Hot Wheels, and that kind of led to it. I'll show my age. Uh, you know, Evil Knievel was a big part of my youth. My, you know, yeah, my baby, where's my Sky Cycle? Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. I got one. That was amazing. That was, that was a birthday present. You're speaking to the uh, right crowd. That's that. awesome. Yeah, and... Uh, so, like, the Indy 500 was a national holiday for me. Yeah. Uh, yep. My brother, I have an older brother, and we would just sit there and watch that. Because that, that's when you only had three TV stations, and it showed up. You know, car racing wasn't... ABC's um, Wide World of Sports. Yeah. <laughs> a thrill of victory. Thrill of victory. Yeah. And, and it was just so much fun to, to watch those races, and A.J. Foyt was a huge hero. And then I, they once broadcast... Uh, the Monaco Grand Prix with Jackie Stewart, and I was like, "Holy, this Jackie is Stewart!" And uh, yeah, I just uh, couldn't get enough of it. And then as I got a little bit older, you started seeing him in movies with, uh, you know, Cannonball Run was a huge like deal. Great movie. Yeah, all the James Bond cars, like the you know the the submarine Lotus Elise and. Um, yeah, that Lamborghini Countach uh, in the opening credits of uh, Cannonball Run changed my life. I uh, I have to make an admission here. I watched the first five minutes of that yesterday. <laughs> you you know what's amazing? Just to listen to the car. <laughs> so, so what's amazing, Brett, is Burt Reynolds, right, in that movie? I just watched, literally before I came here, Smokey and the Bandit, the original. Oh. It was, was on right before I came here. So... You're talking to to the crowd here. You're talking Children to the, of the, the 70s choir. and oh, 80s. Totally. Yeah. Oh, my. What a great movie. It's so bad. Yeah, Al Needham, the, the stunt guy who did all those uh, driving stunts. and God. Um, yeah, I just couldn't get enough of all that stuff. And, and, and we kind of lose sight of how hard it was to, to watch these things. You know, you had to go to a movie theater. And I, I didn't get to go to a lot of movies. They're, they weren't airing on television. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so... Like when these things happen, they really made it. Made, they really stuck with me. So, um, from from there on, it just kind of continued to snowball. And as I got a little older, my brother and I spent our summers driving around to racetracks all over the East Coast to go to races. So we'd go. I grew up in Central Pennsylvania, and uh, we'd go up to Pocono Raceway and watch NASCAR and IndyCar races. And we'd go up to Watkins Glen and watch mm-hmm. the IMSA races back in the the day when it was the the golden era of IMSA GTP racers and 
um, Summit Point Raceway was only an hour and a half away. So it, we would just roll around and go to sports car races and indie car races and everything. And then my brother, he's so cool for my graduation present. He bought us tickets to go see the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. Hey. So we did a weekend and went up in uh, 1989. And it was Senna, Prost, Mansell, like the 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 legends of that era with those crazy 12-cylinder screaming engines. That, okay, uh, you've established your bona fides. You're legit. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on for that. The me. 80s were great. Right? Yeah, we want to meet your brother, too. Yeah, we want to meet his brother. You're, you're <laughs> he, freaking he's legit. Cool. He's a cool brother. So what drove the, the creation of Collector Part Exchange? Uh, when did you start the site, and uh, what was the impetus behind it? Yeah, well... Um, I had recently been at a company that I co-founded uh, for about 12, we got it started in 2008 and uh, we got acquired and I just was looking for something new to do so I decided to, to leave and and I had the bug to start a new company and uh, one of my other, uh, my co-founder Aaron was also an executive at that company so he, he left about the same time I did and I said hey let's do something together so we we started brainstorming stuff and and we were in the exciting world of legal software uh, <laughs> good stuff. oh white um, hot it, white hot, it, white hot. <laughs> it's way more interesting than you think it is but uh you know the the so we went and i thought well that's both of our backgrounds we've been doing it for a long time we've got networks there we'll just do that and but we went and literally went to a cabin in the woods and just decided to like brainstorm for a week and we came up with all sorts of ideas, and one one afternoon I was sitting there, and it's like, you know, in Portland, in the rainiest weekend of the year, 120,000 people show up at this thing called a swap meet, and and they run around and buy car parts because they can't really find them in any other way. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do it. So the the original in, inspiration was how to do a swap meet online, essentially, because the the car business is pretty well sorted online. You can buy cars 20 different ways. You've probably had 30 auction site people here on 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 your show. Like that's a solved problem and dealers have have stuff but buying collector car parts is really hard. And so we started looking at it and investigating it and going no one is doing this. There's eBay but uh, mm. it's a really poor experience. Nobody likes it. It's really a drag to do and you, and and you get presented with all of these ads and promotions and you know cup holders and crap like that when yeah. you want like a distributor for your 1967 Alfa Romeo so um so the whole idea was to try and figure out how to create a, a more efficient marketplace so we looked around and things like it it sounds odd but Etsy is a great model it's like hey it's it's more community driven it's like the the sellers get to be who they are and the buyers get to be who they are and you just kind of put them together and hopefully everybody can find what they're looking for. So we just built a platform so that we could connect the buyers and sellers uh, as efficiently as possible and that's how it came to be. So we, we got going about uh, in March of uh, last year. So in my prior company that I mentioned earlier, we launched our product about three weeks before the Great Recession happened in 2008. Oh, this one we started the company right as we were going into the pandemic. So if I happen to start a new company in the future, 
You might want to become a prepper. Yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're a master of timing, aren't you, brother? <laughs> Nothing like oh, a challenge. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> so, what does it cost to list parts on CPX? Yeah, it costs nothing. That's the beauty of it. Um, we're again, we we really do this to be. My whole mission is to be a service to the collector car world because I really feel like this is going to help keep these cars on the road longer and help people be better owners because it won't be such a hassle to to keep them running and and keep them in on the road um so there's it costs nothing to list a part if you sell a part uh we charge a five percent commission which is like half to a third of what ebay charges there is a credit card processing fee so we just want to make it so that people want to use the site don't feel bad about using it because if you charge too much then people go oh just call me over on the on the sure, slide yeah. and yeah. uh i'll i'll sell it sell it to you direct so of course you know, you're, just, a, you're a guy who owns a legal software company so uh <laughs> I, I i'm guessing you may be able to find ways to keep everyone honest <laughs> I know where I can find you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, I think Chris is absolutely lying to us right now because his daily driver, according to an article, is a 74 Alfa Romeo Julia Super. So what you created was a website for you to find your own damn parts. That's right. That is exactly right. Where do you find parts for that car? When you you build a business, build what you want, and hopefully everybody else likes it. Yeah, what you you need. I mean, that thing looks like a Lada that had a boob job. It's like... It's kind of uh, ugly, but kind of sexy at the same time. Yeah, I like it. I tell you, that car gets more attention than any car I've ever owned. I promise <laughs> you. It's just cute as hell. It is. It's very cool. Very cool. So <laughs> the fee for buying parts on on CPX, it's just 5%? Yep, 5%. That's so, not you know, everybody lists what they've got. You know, if you sell, if you list it for 100 bucks, uh, you know, you get 95 actually 92 back because the credit cards guys take their yeah, yeah everybody's got their hands out what type of people are selling on cpx right now yeah well it, it we're getting great pickup and gosh we probably had 10 people sign up as sellers just today so it's uh really starting to pick up steam we uh have two classes of people there's the professionals so there's people that you probably already buy parts from not and us. if you've noticed, uh, there <laughs> there wrong. are especially if you get into more like I deal with Italian cars mostly, uh, they don't have good websites. Like it's hard. These are car guys. They've grown up probably in a garage. They've accumulated a bunch of parts and they have worked on cars. They aren't web people. They don't have websites. You can't buy things easily from from these folks, and you can't find what you're looking for online, which. You know, as we all know, the very first thing you do in the world is when you have an idea about anything is go type it into Google. And and the same goes for people who have cars. Like, if I'm looking for a part, where do you go? So we're trying to um, connect, be a service to the professional part sellers to give them a better web presence and help their parts be found even in Google. So that we've architected the site so that it's really... Uh, search engine friendly so if you list a part on there even if you just type it straight into google it should find it on our site so we've got folks uh, all around the world who are who are listing their parts and and we give them a, a great web presence and essentially become their e-commerce presence in a way for people to find them 
Um, and then we have just regular folks who are trying to get rid of extra parts. So uh, there's always, I don't know about you all, but uh, when you buy a collector car, you don't get a car. You get 1.1 car. There's mm -hmm. like <laughs> an extra 10% of car that you get that's in boxes in the trunk. In the trunk, yeah. <laughs> and um, and that never seems to go away. You sell the car, but that seems to like stick with it. Another box goes in the back of that car. So everybody, <laughs> all of us who have cars, uh, have like boxes of parts stuffed away in the back of no. a garage or back in the in the attic or whatever. And guess what? That's not going anywhere. You're never going to use it. Oh, it's you don't say. There may or may not be several Corvettes worth of parts out in my garage. There may exactly. or may not be a bin of 1956 Plymouth parts for uh, a non-existent Plymouth that I have. And, Har and Harley parts and Impala parts. Yeah. And <laughs> junks. So, so our, our hope is, hey, let's get all that stuff back in circulation because there's a lot of good stuff sitting in those boxes that are long and forgotten. So it's really easy to start selling. It only... To set up a store, it takes 10 minutes. To list a part, it only takes a couple of minutes. You can do it on your cell phone. Um, we just like go out in your garage, spend an hour, and take a bunch of pictures and list some parts and start getting them out there because it doesn't cost anything. You can list them forever as far as long as we care until they, they sell. And there's no limit on the number of parts. There's no, no cost whatsoever to get it out there. And if you move it along and find a good home for it, yeah, uh, the, an, an hour ain't going to get it done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> what, what are the parameters you have to qualify as a collector car part for uh, yeah, it's, collector part exchange? You know, it, it, we didn't call it vintage car part exchange or uh, classic part exchange. We, we, we were kind of a little more open-ended by saying collector because ultimately anybody who has an exotic down to... Uh, a pre-war antique vehicle, uh, hopefully we'll be able to find stuff on collector part exchange as it grows and more people get involved with it. Um, it early on, you can't boil the ocean, so we've narrowed it down to uh, Italian, British, and German makes, probably from like the 40s to the 70s is like our, our I'd say our sweet spot right now, although we have things that aren't exactly that either. So, we're just starting with that to get a beachhead and then get the word out and be able to focus. And then uh, we'll get into the domestics for sure. And we already have some people who are doing that now. So uh, um, motorcycles, uh, crap, I, I don't care. Uh, if, if you collect it or people value it, I'm, I'm okay with it. This guy's going to uh, clean out my garage. Yeah, but he's trying let, to Monza let, shame let, oh. me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't think we're going to be the place where you go to get that set of gaskets, maybe uh, for yeah. you know your that like the consumables and that sort of thing. Although that I'm sure they'll make their way on there. We're probably going to be the place where you go say, "Hey, I need a I need a rear window for my '65 uh, Mustang, and I can't, and I'd like to find an original because this car means a lot to me." And well, right there on the front page, you've got a nose panel for Mercedes Benz, a 1955 yeah. to 1963 190SL. I mean, yep. It's right there on the front. And where, where the hell do you ever see that? Never. Not Craigslist. No. You never no. see that. That is cool. <laughs> there's, a, there's an engine in there from a Ferrari that's like $350,000 on the site. It's, it's amazing. Oh, I have yeah. to go Brett, crawl write deep. a check. <laughs> <laughs> Buy two. Uh, I'll take one. Uh, let, me, let me get that checkbook out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so are all parts able to be sold on the collector part exchange? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it from we've got people who will want to sell tires, wheels, glass, chrome, wiring looms, body panels, full engines. All oh, the stuff you can't find. I am digging back through my warehouse. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. the stuff yeah. you can't find. Whatever, whatever you want to sell, uh, we, we're, we're happy to have it. I got it, four differentials laying around that need to find new homes. Yeah, <laughs> they need exactly. differential homes. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know what? It might not be that valuable to you or that useful, but if you've got somebody who needs the has a car that's they're trying to put back together and needs that thing it's it's like finding gold absolutely yeah. what else is for sale on collector part exchange yeah well we're we're pretty open-ended uh we've got folks who are listing automobilia so like Ooh. manuals uh Ooh. luggage kits and things like that uh for for cars we've got folks who are selling entire uh cars uh we've got a project car category so if you've nice. got a project that you have laid shut the around, computer now mark get... yeah oh, that's already that's it's too late shut, shut the computer don't, now don't click buy, buy right now it's i'm a... already t- doing three uh. different searches all at once yeah you, you should you should look at him he's twitching <laughs> project car I'm oh my you guys just keep talking i'll, I'll be around <laughs> all righty well what is cpx international yeah collector part exchange is is really meant to collect the car community wherever they're located. So uh, we've got sellers who are located in other countries. So we've got folks in the UK, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, and even Canada. What? Uh, and, <laughs> Canada? And, oh, Canada. Yeah. And we've got um, buyers. Like, there are folks. Uh, our, our very, very first sale was to a guy in Denmark who wow. uh, bought art from a dude up in Seattle. And I was just trying to help a guy in South Africa uh, two days ago who had an old Alpha that he was looking for a, a, a brake master cylinder for. And it had to be right-hand drive, and there wasn't one oh. in all of South Africa that wow. he could find. So I managed to reach out to our network, and I found uh, uh, four of them. So, so yeah. Uh, South Africa surprised you, too. I When I had that 1956 Plymouth that I couldn't rebuild, uh, because I don't know how. The, uh, <laughs> you know, I made my money back on the on everything uh, through parts. And one of the batches that I did, it was through some guy down in Florida who contacted me, who probably sold it for 80 times what I asked for, but all the trim, the yeah. body trim, uh, and right. needed it, and he sent it to South Africa, which well, was surprising, kind of well, cool. That brings up something interesting. Chris, do you sell parts collections? Do you sell parts in big groups? Yeah, yeah. Um, we are actually going to be introducing an auction uh, format as well in uh, later this summer. And that's when I think we'll start seeing some more of those types of sales happen. And, the, and they're, they're, they're going to be helpful for folks if they need to get rid of stuff and need to clear the space on a time schedule. Uh, or they have something that's kind of rare and they want to make sure they're getting top dollar for it because they don't aren't exactly sure how to value it. Uh, so I think that'll solve that and and i think the auctions also will help you know sad to say with estate sales and things like that as well because you know we've all known people in our lives in the collector car world who have passed and and you know you try and go in and help help out or help somebody move things along and hopefully that could be a way to help uh keep these 
That's one going into the landfill. That's one of my nightmares. Something help happens to me, and then Rhonda has to go through all of my car crap <laughs> and figure out what to do with it. And instead, wholesales <laughs> it to a dude for two thousand right. dollars. Oh she's she's <laughs> selling <laughs> magazines and car be, books by the pound. You'll be and, clawing back from hell itself. Yeah. To go, oh, what do you think? Don't, don't sell that don't, for that. What are you nuts? Don't worry, Brad. I'll give you top top. Uh, I'm sure you won't. Well, one of the things we want to do is also like a a lot of folks who are in this uh, who sell parts professionally, they're getting a little uh, on in years and they they want to make sure that they can find a good home for that. So we'd love to be able to help uh, match them up with someone who could take over the business even and keep that going. And there's been a few stories of that, because unless you have a kid who's into the business, uh, you know, Suddenly, you've got rooms full of uncatalogued parts to get loaded into uh, shipping containers and end up in God knows where. So yeah, God gave me two daughters. I'm trying to groom my nephew now. <laughs> you only got two, huh? You lucky, lucky dog. Uh-huh. Chris, how do people find the Collector Part Exchange? Yeah, well, it's as easy as it could be. It's just collectorpartexchange.com. And we often get a question, it's like, why isn't it parts exchange? But when you write out the URL with parts with an S in front of the word exchange, you get sex change. Sex change. <laughs> nice. Let's just do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing that that's down. That's right. Collector <laughs> parts sex change. <laughs> okay, typing that in. Let's see what we get. Oh, that, that's going to take you someplace oh. completely different. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> different parts, though, right? Wow. <laughs> They're interchangeable. A lot of Italians. <laughs> I think you like it. Hey, I didn't know you could do that. I think you're on the international page. Wow. So now, getting away from uh, CPX. Uh-oh. What can you do with an international affairs degree? Well, I had a very specific international affairs degree, which was uh, called National Security Policy. Oh, my. So I have a master's in that. And honestly, this is the best description for it, which is if you've ever read a Jack Ryan novel, Uh that's what he did. He was was actually a, a military analyst, and that's what I was trained to be. Uh, in grad school. So I, I went to George Washington and the, I was in a class with all of the military and CIA people and that would have been probably a place where I would have gone to work. Um, but uh, when I moved to Portland, uh, there wasn't a lot of call for uh, Jack Ryan's <laughs> in Portland, Oregon. So, Just car parts. I had to figure something else out. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we like it. And, and as part of that, what goes into determining where to aim a nuclear weapon? Oh, yeah, that's a, I, I did literally spend a semester learning, learning that skill. And <laughs> it wasn't about like programming the missiles, but it's like, hey, you have 5,000 warheads to aim at your uh, mortal enemy. What do you do with those? And... Well, four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, and then nuke Jamaica just for the entertainment of it. <laughs> I, I, I thought he was going to say mother-in-law, but but I'm glad he picked somewhere wow. else. Wow. Wait a minute, how'd that one end up in Dollywood? <laughs> <laughs> I can explain. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, hey, it, uh, it's not an easy problem to solve. You look, you 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 prioritize things, but I think everybody has this idea that you go. Oh, well, 
I'm launching all of them. Well, you don't have to do that. No, you know? like no, you, you can, no. You know, so, so you what? just have to like learn how to like get the information so that you can like. Do you just want to send a message or you know whatever? So no. what's the old saying oh. about not being afraid of a company or a country that's got a new a hundred nuclear warheads, but you're afraid of the country that's got one? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's a it's a lot of Doctor Strange love stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I can't imagine how that made you think because you have to really do some uh, Machiavellian soul searching to figure out in a, in this real situation. You got Machiavellian. I, I, I nailed that. Yeah, I cool. nailed I'm that. I'm still looking man. that up in the dictionary. <laughs> Don't make me spell it. But uh, M A K. You sure it starts with an M? That's a that's a Mach one of Ellie. Yeah, Thank you very much. And it has Craigers. <laughs> I get it. But but to to have to actually think through these scenarios and really look inside yourself and realize, okay, I could make these decisions, but oh my gosh, I didn't know I could. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. When I was in a couple of different ROTCs, and they asked questions that I'd never heard of, and to have to sit down and really figure out in this situation what would I do. And you're like, oh shit, oh wow, I uh -huh. would, this is what I would do. Oh damn, I didn't know that about that, myself. It, that's exactly what the exercise was probably truly about. Is just like, hey, you've got to like calculate these things. Don't think of the the human cost. Although that that was part of the calculus. I, like you, you just kind of think, ah, hit the button and like just like yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> that isn't what it's about. Um, it's about deterrence. It's about um, if you do have to do it, how do you use the least number possible? Because ultimately it's going to blow back around on your side of the planet. Sure. So it's not like yeah. any of this stuff is... Uh, yeah, but you use the first date to take all their the, yard and not yours. You use the first date to take out all the Disney theme parks, and then after that... <laughs> and, and, and you try to shy away from the Porsche factory. I, what about the McDonald's? I, I mean, if we're going to rebuild an economy, by God, it's going to be I never want to see another pair of mouse ears again. <laughs> What is that? And it's going boom. Everybody's gonna have giant white hands with three fingers. All <laughs> 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 oh, oh, right then. <laughs> I'm definitely going to hell. <laughs> so the best question that we ever ask anybody, or at least the best answer oh, we usually uh -oh. get, is what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? Can I plead the fifth? No. <laughs> there's, no drink it. there's no time limit on this either. All right. This one my, my parents haven't heard, so I'm going to have to make sure. That they <laughs> well, they're not going to listen. You're good. All right. it, it's not terrible. but um, So I'm in high school. It's summer. Uh, I, I lived near Hershey Park, and Hershey Park had, like, big rock concerts in a, in a stadium there all summer long. And me and my buddies were going to go see a show. So we went over uh, parked in this huge mass of humanity, uh, went into the site and I realized that my car keys weren't with me. Oh, and, and then I, I'm like, uh Oh, what's happening here? And well, you can't leave the stadium. So we'll deal with it afterwards. So into the show comes, we get out and you know, this is an era when you don't have cell phones. It's not easy no. to get a hold of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, we're locked out of the car and we get to the car and you can see the car keys. Like I must've tried to put them in my pocket. Oh, when they get out, out of the car oh, and they no. fell back out of my pocket. And there they were sitting out in the open and the car was locked. So, uh, we, 
we uh, call my folks and and my it's like an hour's drive to get like oh, through all the traffic no. and it's not like you called them from the car right you had to walk to a phone it's a complex thing and my parents were good natured it's like oh okay so we me and my buddies we kind of stand go back to the car after making the payphone call and and we get there and we realize it was a car where you actually had to hold the handle up to lock it. And one of my stupid buddies oh. didn't lock the car. This is where it goes a little sideways. Oh. My little kid brain kind of kicks in and goes, oh, shit. Oops. Sorry. No, it's all right. We, we it's like all good. that. It's fine. <laughs> um, my parents are going to kill me if they came all this way for nothing. So we locked so the car. We made the we no. we the council of Elrond uh, <laughs> came together and decided to actually lock the keys back into the car until my parents got there. Yep. So oh my god, oh, oh saving they face. Showed up and, and they say, "Oh, thanks, mom and dad. That was awesome." That's and, a great story. Yeah. See, see, there's a couple things people don't understand. You had to walk to find. Where do you find a payphone? Right, it's not oh, like yeah. you just know where they're at. The other thing is <laughs> lifting up the door handle. Right, none of my kids, none of my kids' friends would know that you had to do that. Right, yeah. and to explain that to them, it's deer in the headlights. But to be so afraid no. of dad's condemnation uh, about this no. idiot that no. mom pushed out <laughs> that so you're great. willing to lock it back—that's exactly. fantastic. Oh my god! Hey, don't I, say anything. Dude. How do we reproduce? Uh, all, all, I can, all I can hear is Buford T. Justice saying, "There ain't no way you came from my loins." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was too far along in the movie to so, hear that, but what that, a great! That is uh, the the official uh, dumbest thing I've done in a non-moving vehicle because I don't. Maybe moving vehicles. There's a statute of limitations. No, we'll have to discuss moving vehicles next time yeah, you're next back. Time, yeah. uh, all right. Make, make sure you hold that one and. Uh, uh, you might either brace your parents or just forget to tell them you were on the show. Yeah, great story, though. Great story. <laughs> We've been speaking with Chris Bright, co-founder of the Collector Part Exchange. Not Collector Parts Exchange. No, no, no. All the links for Chris and Collector Part Exchange can be found on readthedriven.com. Chris, thanks so much for being with us, and good luck with your new venture. All right. Thanks. It was a blast being here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do. It's God, this is just the best thing we do all week. It's fun talking I, to people I, like that, isn't it? It's and they make it so easy. I mean, you you find yourself wanting to chase them down the rabbit hole. Yeah, you know, so, we, we could just keep going, but it's like, damn, the show has to end sometime. It, <laughs> no kidding. We love what we do. We wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield. For the Trapped in Arkansas, Corey Pratt, Corey, Mr. Mark Groves, Yo. and designated guest, Mr. Jeff DeWitt. Yes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.